Hello, and welcome to The Dreadclaw. Hi, uh, you might be thinking we should be having a regular episode at this point. It's been four weeks. Well, sadly, due to holiday, uh, work and various other commitments like Michael buggering off to Dublin uh, for a, <laughs> a week and a bit and Graham going over to some cottage over the lakes, you know, the West, somewhere, you know, the West. It's pretty, apparently, um, with his dogs and his wife. Um, I should put the wife first, shouldn't I, really? No, but... Uh, 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 Megan's watching me here uh, because she's making sure that I do this right coherently. And um, anyway, uh, what we're going to do instead is we're presenting an episode of the Dreadclaw. We have an interview with Mark Frost of Frostfiend Studios. Go check them out. We'll put links in the show notes. And one of the things he's going to be talking about is a fantastic initiative called Models for Heroes. Now, I'll let him explain it in the show. But one thing we are going to be doing later this year is having a model drive for them. So we're going to get you to round up any spare unpainted models on your pile of shame that you're not going to get round to. And we're going to get them sent down to Models for Heroes so we can get some, um, we can get, they can do some good with, with someone else. Um, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, but there has been a, uh, Hachette collection, a, 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 a Age of Sigmar version of Conquest. And I have been going around buying night haunts for people. Um, because a lot of people want to make them into Mechanicum Griblies. Um, and I literally have 10 packs of Stormcast Eternal um, Sequitors to send down there. So uh, if, you know, if you if that's something that sounds cool to you and you've got some spare models kicking around, put them aside, plan what you do, and we'll arrange for this uh, drive later in the air. I think we're going to be working with some other podcasts to do it. So anyway, I will let Mark speak for himself. I have rabbled on for far too much. Unless Megan wants to say something. Do you want to say hello, Megan? No, she's she's just waving at me and saying, get on with it. Okay, on with the show. Next up, uh, we are joined by Mark Frost from Frostfend Studios. Uh, Mark has kindly agreed to, to come in today uh, and talk to me about all things hobby, but specifically um, about his work as Frostfend Studio and the work that he does uh, as a volunteer for a charity called Models for Heroes. So first of all, a big welcome and thank you for joining me this morning, Mark. No, my pleasure. So... What we normally do, uh, well, I say normally, the other person I've interviewed, so you're the second, um, <laughs> we, we, I usually like to hear about your origin story. So um, all good narratives start with an origin story. So where or how or what uh, inspired you to take up this crazy hobby of ours? Cool. Um, when I was a kid as most people were at some point in their lives. And to be honest, <laughs> I've never really grown up, um, no, as my true. wife will attest to. Um, now, I used to build um, lots of scale kits. My dad was really into scale modeling planes and armor, and tr he did like, trains and buses and random right. stuff like that. But I was always like big tanks and yeah. war planes and things like that. And so, so we'd grow up going to um, air shows up at Milton Hall and Lake and Heath and stuff like that. So I was always really into um, models. Yeah. Um, got quite good. Um, actually won a few sort of junior modeling competitions when I was younger, which was, you know, quite good until um, I kind of hit puberty and discovered girls. They always they, damn, damn, get in the way, man. Yeah, and <laughs> and then they discovered that I liked planes and trains and automobiles. Um, so, therefore, I quickly um, dropped the planes, trains and automobiles and tried to act cool, um, which I've been failing to do for the past 30-odd years. So, Very good. Very yeah. Good. So, so, yes, started with – oh, sorry. I was going to say um, – so have you always been – are you from the sort of uh, north, uh, southeast of – no, not just east of England because uh, Mildenhall and Lakenheath, um, just – I we used to travel up and down to Norfolk because we lived in Norfolk for a bit. And mm -hmm. I loved going down the road that took us past Lakenheath 
because yeah. they had the planes there. And sometimes they'd be on the, the kind of the apron, you know, getting ready to taxi off or just looking at the planes outside the actual uh, RAF bases themselves, you know, where they had like the Harrier and stuff. I don't know what they got yeah. now. But that was always pretty cool, I thought. So was that your kind of area? Did, did that sort of growing up in that area and seeing all of that or did you have to travel a long way for those? Um, well, I used to live near South End on Sea, so I'm an Essex, okay, Essex right, boy, gotcha. yeah. as you can tell by the. I, I didn't want to say, but yeah, <laughs> as you can tell by the <laughs> accent. Um, but yeah, so we used to like, travel up for that. But um, I mean, I recently last year moved to to Norwich, gotcha. so I'm um, sort of a lot closer now. But I, I get to hear them every day. They sort of fly over my house, so yeah, it's always, always quite nice and disturbing. Yeah, we used to live in East Deerham, and that was during the Cold War as well. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of a lot of activity, which is awesome, seeing planes going overhead. Anyway, sorry, I've completely interrupted your origin story. So go on, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously dabbled with trying to pull girls. Mm. Um, that didn't really work. It's, it's very weird, right, that there were no women into, into scale modelling. You know, it's, and I found that as well, weirdly enough, and I think we all probably did. Yeah, and it's weird that they're still not. It's it's getting better, to be yeah. fair. I think it's definitely, you know, compared to when I was a young man and, and it was, you know, this was the province of sort of nerdy boys in, in bedrooms, amongst other things. Um, it was, you know, massively uncool. But I think now, I think there's a, there's a sea change. Slowly, but surely. Um, I think yeah. it is getting better. But anyway, yeah, go on. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and then... I didn't really do anything for ages and I sort of went in the army and then came out the army with mangled legs and then went off up to work in London and that, and I hadn't done anything for ages. And, um, I suppose it was about nearly 10 years ago. I was bought a model kit for, um, for Christmas. And I thought, actually, yeah, I'd really like to have a go at building that. And I had it and I had about five different paints for it. And then I was speaking with some friends. We used to do like a Tuesday night boys club where we'd go around, eat pizza. Um, I'd watch them get drunk because I had to drive home. And yeah. then um, and we'd sort of play games or whatever. Like, And they had Space Hulk. And this was about six years ago, five, six years ago when they sort of did a re-release of it. And I thought, actually, I really, really like this because I'd always kind of liked the idea of Warhammer, but if you don't know about it, you walk in the shop mm. and you kind of go, well, what do I do? Mm. Um, 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 I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. It's, 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 it, I might get seen. Um, <laughs> so I didn't really, and so I, I played it and I, thought, oh, I really like this game. It's really good. So I thought I'll, I'll get a copy and um, there wasn't any available. And I managed to get one on eBay for a, for a good price and so i've got the game and i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna paint these up and um i was going through a lot of stress at the time with work and life uh, and everything and actually found just sitting there painting the the models kind of really relaxing and chilled me out and put me in a different space where i could just sort of level off from what i was going through at work um, and I really, really liked it. And then I sort of, I sort of had, because you get the blood angels and the tyranids and thought, oh, what else is there out there? Oh, chaos. So I got some chaos bits and painted them up. Um, I got the codex. This was literally on, right on the death throes of sixth edition. Yep. So I bought the, uh, the codex and everything and then, and the rule book. And then they changed to seventh. So I had to go and get all new stuff. <laughs> Um, so I never played sixth and I didn't play chaos, but then I started getting into space wolves. So I was playing space wolves for a while and, uh, discovered forge world. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, look at all those nice <laughs> shiny bits. And I, st I started, um, sort of painting those bits up. And then someone asked me to paint cause I was uh, an okay painter. Mm. Um, I still don't profess to be a great painter, but I'm, I'm a good painter. Um, friend asked me to paint a game for them it was the one with the scouts in the jungle oh yeah i know the one oh, what was that yeah. called now i would say it's something like death team watch something oh, death team watch jungle snippets. yes sniper thing yes yeah <laughs> so so i painted that up and he was oh brilliant and he paid me money and i was like oh i just, I just earned some money 
nice. that didn't Im- didn't involve stress. Yes. Um, and then I started. Um, so I had too much Forge World. Yes. Which now I've learned you can never have too much Forge it's World. A, yes, it's a, so um, it's a I, I sold a few bits off uh, on eBay and actually got some really decent money, sort of double the Sakaran value. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. So I was like, yes, <laughs> two times the Sakaran value for a you go, You're going somewhere if you're doubling yeah. up on that. Yeah, so I did that and then kept doing that. And then one day someone bought one off me and said, can you paint all this for me in the same scheme? I was like, okay, yeah. Loads of tanks and so it was a fill blade, yeah, yeah. a fill blade and some Spartans and a load of Sakarans. I was like, oh, fantastic. Right, sent it off and... You know, got a, a good little bit on that. And I thought, actually, sure. I really need to d- kind of do this properly. So mm-hmm. I decided I needed a, a company name, obviously being Mark Frost and Frost Fiend. Mauler Fiends, Frost Fiend. And then for everybody calls themselves a studio. Yes. Oh, we're a painting studio. No, you're on your own in your shed. Yeah, but I'm a painting <laughs> studio. I was thinking... Frost Fiend Studios, FFS, FFS. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, yep. So I went with the FFS logo. So I ended up with Frost Fiend Studios. Um, and that was me kind of started. So I was doing it sort of part-time um, in addition to my regular day job. And it just kind of went on from there and built up from there. And then I discovered 30K because uh, I was originally entered into the London GT. Oh, yeah. Not the one at the, um, at the West Olympic West Stadium. Yeah. yeah, not that one. Um, the previous one. Right. Um, and I was entered into that, and everyone was saying, oh, you shouldn't really do a 40K tournament. It's a bit scary. And I thought, oh, I'll tell you what. There's, I could quite easily paint 2,500 points of Night Lords in a month. As you do. Uh, as you do. And then realized that it was a lot <laughs> harder than I thought it was going to be. All that. All that all the lightning and everything and the yeah. all the bits dangling off of everybody. It isn't just uh-huh. like a normal Marine. No. Yeah, but I did that. Um, went there, had five really scary games. Right. Um, I think I won two. Hey, good guy. Um, which wasn't too bad. And I yeah. got, I think I got tabled by Brendan from... Um, oh, Sons of Horus. Sons, 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 Sons of Heresy. Yeah, I got yeah. tabled with him in my last game. And it was like the fifth day of like... And it was like my sixth game in ever... Right. of heresy winning too though mate yeah i got lucky um yeah i got tabled by him and i thought i really need to change this yeah what i'm doing and then like completely change my army and yeah and that sort of 30k just escalated for me from there has a habit of doing that yeah but i mean that's it I mean, and then really that's how i got into the hobby and got what I'm doing now so it's a great yeah, journey it's, it's a great origin story my friend very good. And also, um, you sort of touched on it there, I suppose, which is this whole um, sort of concept of uh, modelling and doing this hobby as a sort of stress reliever, or at least, you know, something to take your mind off the the sort of, just for a little while, of some of the things that are going on in your lives, and um, particularly stress. And, and I must admit, in my own small way, that's exactly what I do. Hmm. Um, you know, I find it incredibly good at just, uh, you know, relieving stress insofar as I don't have to think about all the other, you know, daily life crap that you're dealing with from you know work and what have you uh, it just gives you a little uh, out if you like a little bit of time to focus on something else yeah not, so um with that in mind i guess also you in your, in your origin story there you said you were in the army so was it a how did you then um i suppose there's two questions coming up here first of all let's talk about um how you model for heroes and what they mm-hmm. can do and secondly i'd really like to hear about how you you know how you got involved in that to start with Okay, so models for heroes. What are they? Is that is that the question? Yeah, I think that's the question. Yeah. Okay, so models for heroes. Um, I mean, they were set up in twenty early twenty seventeen. So Malcolm Childs, who runs it, he was looking on Reddit and he saw that there was models for veterans in um, America. Right. Um, and then realised there wasn't anything over here. So he went around setting up models for heroes um, in line with like helps for heroes and sort of working with veterans who've had um, 
problems in the past, wide-ranging problems. It could, they could look perfectly healthy on the outside and have something going wrong on the inside, um, or it could be completely obvious what's wrong with them. Um, so you set it up, and it's really just to create modelling sessions and ways for people to lose themselves gotcha. and not worry about the bigger problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that he, he set that up and it started off quite small. Um, it started off at like, I think Tebworth house in um, Tebworth, yeah. <laughs> which is a, which is a, a big um, recovery center for oh, okay, uh, right. models for hero or help for heroes. Help for heroes right. Yeah. So it started off with that and, then it sort of it got wider and bigger um and now it's all over the country uh, yeah. the, the, it's pretty much everywhere um all the major cities if they don't have one we we want to get them um set up but there's there's over 100 volunteers now wow. um working with the charity providing uh, modeling sessions and support um yeah so it's it's, it's really yeah, it, it has really come on, hasn't it? I mean, it's, yeah, uh, in, a, in a big way. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. I mean, for those of you listening, I really recommend you go to their um, just go to their Facebook page actually for a look because what is amazing, I think, is to hear the testimonials of some of these veterans and what these sessions, these modeling sessions, that kind of uh, group based activity gives people because it, you know, it's tough. You know, these uh, people, service people have been through an awful, you know, awful lot. And um, to sort of see how beneficial, you know, something that we take as a hobby uh, can be uh, to help that sort of recovery process uh, is is pretty humbling, to be honest with you. So how did you then sort of come about it and getting involved in this? How did I get involved? So um, you've met uh, Matt and Sam from the Adeptus Terror podcast. Yes. Yes, So they were friends of mine and I work with them occasionally on, on their on their podcast sort of chip in and give some really bad painting advice. (laughs) Um, But Sam interviewed Malcolm. He, he stumbled across him and then thought it was really interesting. And he said, Oh, I've got this really, really good um, thing. You're going to really like this. I was like, Oh, what is it? I listened to the interview and it was, it was Malcolm. So, and I thought that sounds like something that I could be involved with, not only from, my perspective of being an injured veteran myself and going through certain mental health problems. Um, But something because of what I do, how I could help people. And they had, um, I knew they did a session up at the Colchester at um, uh, Chivas house up there. Right. um, Right near the the Paras base. Yeah. So, I thought, I wonder if I'd be able to help there. And I went to the Southern Expo, which is a big modeling show near Upminster. Right. Um, so I went there and I walked along and, oh, there's the models for heroes. I listened to that and I walked up and there's this giant guy. He's absolutely huge. And I went up to him, oh, um, I was looking to speak to Malcolm. Do you know who he is? I'm Malcolm. I went, oh, yeah, I'm Mark Frost. I, I emailed you. He's oh, brilliant. And then that was it. From there on, I went along. I volunteered at Colchester. Gotcha. Um, and it's been sort of two years now I've been helping wow. out. So I don't run a specific session at Colchester myself. I've always I've helped out there. Yeah. Um, but I do a bit of awareness raising mainly within this hobby. Yes. Um, and I run um, online sort of hobby hangout sessions. Yes. Um, while we're trying to get Norwich up and running. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I run a bi-monthly, just a hobby hangout, which, yeah. again, I, I nicked from the Adeptus Terra podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I stole it off of them. And, uh, yeah, so I just provide an online session that's just a safe place for people to just come and chat and model. And if they want to talk about something, they can. If they don't want to, they don't want to. If they want to go on with the camera and show what they're doing they can if they don't they don't and it's just a nice place just to just to be gotcha gotcha so um like i said again that's i mean that's an incredible uh, story there i mean like i said the feedback and testimonials from the personnel is amazing um 
how does in your experience and i know um like i said doing the hobby hangouts and stuff i mean how does it um you know help people i guess um you know what's the what's the sort of outcome of some of these things like say the testimonials are very good but have you sort of witnesses for yourself without sort of going into the details or names or anything mm. um you know do you find that it's um that, that veterans uh sort of open up to talk about their experiences there or is it still or do you find that it's just a all they it's there is there for a um you know just a, a break from uh, worrying about and thinking about these things it, it it really depends. It really depends on the individual and the group and the people in the group. I mean, as with anything, say if we go to an event and you can, or we go to your event and we're sitting in the the food area yeah. and you've, you've got lively, crazy people and you've yeah. got a bit more yeah. quieter and introverted people. Got and it, it's just the same there. And sure. someone who can be really, really loud and a lot of fun, but they'll never talk about what's happened to them yes or you've got someone who's really really quiet and they're happy to speak about it. it's 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 strange it's, there there is an atmosphere of mutual respect because yeah. everybody knows what's happened and that people have got their own problems gotcha. um, but you've also got you know ex-military ex-blue light banter yes i'm with you yeah, so, so you need you need to do it in a place with a closed door, generally, because sure. it's a, a bit of effing and a bit of Jeff. <laughs> I guess that is that sort of you've got that camaraderie, haven't you? Which is one of the the things that I mean, I'm not a service ex service person or served in any way in those regards, but you know, you hear about this kind of camaraderie, that kind of almost like that band of brothers thing, you know, where you know people together uh, in a unit, you know, you have a close bond, and you know when people leave the services sometimes that's something that's missed so the, yeah does this, good does this give them a good uh sort of in to sort of get back into that like say that kind of uh barrack room sort of banter and stuff yeah it does and it, it bring it in and you've got people there who some are in their 70s and they've served in different places some people are in their 20s and they're and they're leaving the forces gotcha. um so but you've got that link yes. um, where there's that common ground. Yeah. And then you've, you've got people who can just work together, have a bit of fun. And I mean, I know there's a session, I think it's in Northern Ireland, um, where they just eat biscuits and drink tea. So they all, tur- they all turn up yep. with the biscuits and mm-hmm. the tea and the models and the modeling stuff. Right. And no one builds anything and they just sit there and chat for a day. <laughs> Great. That's and good, then, isn't it? And the models don't even come out. It's just tea and biscuits. Right. Um, <laughs> and there's other sessions where it is quite serious. And you've got people, as, as in our hobby, they're very particular. Everything has to be just so. Sure. And they'll sit there and they'll work away. And then you've got someone going, you know, this is, I'm just building a Spitfire. And I turn up and I've got some donated models. And, oh, what's that? That's an orc. What's an orc? It's green. Oh, brilliant. I'll paint that green. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's wow. It is amazing. It yeah, sounds that like, sound amazing. you know, just grumpy people with their own problems sitting around building models. But it's possibly the most rewarding thing I've ever had the um, opportunity. That's not the right word, and it needs a bit more grandeur when I talk about it. Uh, the pleasure to to be part of gotcha. it's amazing. It's amazing. That, like I say, that mutual respect thing. Um, you know, from all ages, some people who you know, seventies who would have served in the sort of mid twentieth century conflicts. Fundamentally, you know, mm-hmm. people right up to the sort of latter day uh, sort of conflicts that we find, found ourselves in. I mean, that like I say, and it's great to hear. You know how rewarding that is you know um and to help people out like that i think that's really admirable um but it's not something just anybody can do right um i know from your facebook page and stuff you went and did a little bit of training um what's the what's the kind of uh, process for doing that so let's say for example um you know I, i wanted to help out i wanted to volunteer What's the what's the sort of process for doing that? Okay, what did so you do? Well, how did you find it? Actually, that's a better question. What? How did I find the process of becoming a volunteer or the process of doing the course? I think a bit of both, really. So, um, yeah. you know, were you nervous? Were you um, sort of thinking, "Oh my word!" You know, this is going to be this is very different to what I'm normally used to. And um, yeah, how did you get out of that? Yeah. So, on a a personal basis, just 
becoming a volunteer. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to lie; it was really daunting because I'd had no idea what to expect. Yeah. So I turned up. I had some boxes of kits to build. I had my own stuff, and I was just coming along to help out and just sort of chip in. And I was sitting in the car before I went in. God, what am I going to? What am I going to come across? Is it going to be like screaming, raving maniacs? Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I did not know. Um, and I went in, and there was about twelve normal people, and that's what they seemed. But just normal people with a bit of banter. Some of them didn't have all their limbs. Some of them had their own sort of ticks and problems going on. You could tell that. Sure. But at the end of the day, they were just normal people with, with a problem, and it was it was just really rewarding. I think that's the word I was looking for earlier. Um, it was just so rewarding to actually go in and just sort of help out, and you're sitting there and you're you're showing someone how to glue the the undercarriage on a hurricane, right? Because they've never done it before, but their yeah. grandfather flew one in the in World War Two, and they want to. Yeah. Build a hurricane. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can help you with that. Well, how do I paint it? Do I just, no, you need to prime it. You need to do this. Bring the airbrush over and you're taking them through the steps um, and just sort of helping out here and there and just sort of letting them go with it and flow with it. So, yeah, just sort of going in and becoming a volunteer Mm. seemed like before I went in a really, really big daunting step, actually. It was it was quite easy. It helped that um, some of the people who who go to that session are completely bonkers in a brilliant way. Right. Um, you know, there's people just saying stuff that, you know, you, you can't come home and repeat in front of the kids. And <laughs> I, it, it, was, it was so much fun. Gotcha. I walked out of there and I was like, oh, why did I only volunteer for the day session? I really needed to stay for the evening session as well. And, I want to come back tomorrow, but they're not doing it till next month. So uh, it was, it was so much fun and so different and so rewarding from what I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Did, um, cause did you do, um, did you do like a, uh, mental health or sort of first aid course or something? I know they do run them. I just wondered if that had, I mean, what, what was that like? Because, you know, mental health always is quite a topic these days people are certainly much more aware of uh, mental health uh, in today than i think previously has been but it's still a bit of a taboo subject you know people yeah. talk about you know you know you can't say you've got stress and you know you can't say you're suffering from anxiety because you know work will you know treat you slightly differently in a detrimental way yeah um, how did you find the experience of going and doing that uh, mental health um, sort of first aid course and also did it make you sort of think about um, some of the things that you'd been through in the past like say you mentioned you know things like your own sort of stress and dealing with um, being a veteran and coming out of the army yourself yeah so I mean the course is provided by mental health first aid England right. um, they provide all the coursework but it's actually paid for by the charity models for heroes and um, RAF Benson uh, down in Oxfordshire. Gotcha. So they're looking to set one up in the north as well. Uh, I think they're talking about Catterick. Catterick, yeah. Yeah, which is which up your way. Yeah. Um, so I, I went down there for that course and I thought, you know, people say it's hard. It's really hard and because you, you're talking about everything. Yeah. So you're talking about people self-harming. Uh, you're talking about people who want to commit suicide. You're talking about people who... Uh, have eating disorders completely across the spectrum and you talk about it in depth and I think wherever you are in life if you sat there and you did that course whether it's the half day course the single day course or the the weekend course as I went on you're going to sit there and at some point you're going to go bloody hell I had at some point in my life I think I might have been depressed, yeah. like properly depressed. And then coming from someone like myself who suffers from depression um, and anxiety as well, yeah. sitting there and I was thinking, oh, my God, you've got all these sections. And there's like you go in there and you talk about something. And you think, well, actually, what I thought I had doesn't relate to that at all. And then you go into the next section and you're like a, a quivering wreck. Um 
but it, it's run in such a way that if it's something that's too difficult, you can just get up and, sure, yeah. and leave. But everybody in the room is doing that course for a reason, i.e. they've got it themselves, they're related to someone who's had a problem themselves, or they're helping, but everybody's there to help. Gotcha. So it's, it's like a really, really safe place. It's such a and you you find yourself talking and talking openly and then talking about things that you don't even tell your closest family. Right. Um, and you're just learning about stuff. And then it teaches you how to, you know, how to ask if someone is okay. Got you. Yeah, uh, and that's, a, that's a key question it's in itself, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because the amount of times you would just walk up to someone and go, oh, you're right, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. But then it's that follow-up question, how are you really right how are you really um and then it teaches you how where to point people what you need to do how you need to send people in the in the right directions and what you can do depending on a situation someone's had um but yeah it just teaches you to understand mental health yeah um i think the one thing that struck me most about how into dis- how to describe someone with a mental health or depression as is it's is, is a big black dog right. they, they show the big, big black dog video which i recommend anybody listening to this just have a look and then you'll understand what anybody who's in a slump or worse is going through and how it just describes it so well and it just sums sums up everything that sort of mental health first aid and what models of heroes are doing sure um yeah so well we'll we'll see if we can find that we'll put it on the show notes because like i say that sounds like a a good thing that people should be interested in and sort of following and having a look at Hmm. so it does sound like it i mean it's you know obviously we're talking about people with uh you know potentially um sort of debilitating sort of mental conditions and stuff like that so and like I said, getting that training um, must have helped a lot, I guess, in terms of being able to just, like I say, ask the right questions, really, and, um, you know, try to be there for people if they need it. Do you find, I suppose it's like anybody, really, it would be hard to generalise, um, you know, because some people, like you say, are open and they want to talk about it, and some people are quite closed and they don't want to talk about it. And mm. I know in my own experience, so obviously I'm from a generation where my grandparents fought in World War Two. Mm-hmm. And it was quite interesting the contrast between my my uh, mother's father and my dad's father. So both veterans, both served, both you know. When you look back at their military um, kind of engagements, it's like my God, it must have been absolutely terrifying. Uh, one of them, my my mother's father, was a really gregarious man, and uh, he would always talk about the war. You know, it was a bit like Uncle Albert. He was a he was actually a stoker, weirdly enough, on destroyers. Mm-hmm. You know, and he would talk about it quite a lot about his friends, but he, you know, he, he wouldn't often talk about the fact that all of the friends that he lost, um, all the times that the, the ships he was on, you know, got torpedoed or he was under, you know, almost in life threatening situations. He never really talked about those things, but my other grandfather was, um, D Day and he got uh, wounded quite severely and oh. he would never talk about it. Never ever, you know, yeah. just never talked about it. I don't think he even talked about it with my dad. Um, and the only time that uh, I ever remember talking about it with him was his brother came over um, from Canada. They emigrated after the war and he, they both served. Um, and he would, they, they, we went to the 40th anniversary of D-Day. My dad took them myself uh, to Normandy. And the thing that struck me the most hearing about these sort of stories is, uh, you know, my grandfather being on the, one of the beaches, I can't remember which one and saying, you know, you can almost see the, um, the ghosts coming out of the water. And that was, mm. uh, you know, that was for me as a fairly young man was, was, you know, it was incredible to, to hear that. And also the effect of war, I suppose. Um, cause it's obviously as a, when you're young, there's quite a lot of sort of glorification, isn't there around war? I mean, yeah. we play war and we play soldiers. And like I said, one of the weird things that I find is I would, I would always be very uncomfortable talking to a veteran about my hobby. Mm. Um, and the reason is actually even weirder going more personal, I suppose, is my grandfather would talk about the war. I once got a model of a destroyer and, uh, he got really quite, quite, quite angry when I was kind of playing with it. Um, because obviously it reminded him of the, you know, the time that he spent, you know, yeah. in those kinds of ships. So do you get, 
um, you know, that kind of thing in, in, in your experience with people? Is it, I mean, I feel weird about saying to a veteran, for example, do you know what I do for a live for a fun? You know, I pretend to play war. Do you, yeah. <laughs> is it? And then, but then I looked on the, like say on the models for heroes things, and obviously people, some are building, uh, models that are, you know, things that you, they saw, you know, military vehicles, and some people aren't as well. They're doing just craft yeah. stuff as well. So does any of that, do you sort of, geeks, have you experienced any of that in your sort of conversations with veterans? Um, yes and no. So, I mean, from one point, you could have someone, they are building a vehicle that they served in because, or that they had something happen to them with. Gotcha. Um, and it just allows them to see it from uh, the point of view of the other people involved. Yeah. So say someone, I don't know, got their foot run over by a by a four three two, which is like the same as the rhino that's outside war hammer world. Okay. Um so if that happened, you know, they can actually then pick up the tangible model and then just look at it and go, actually maybe this happened, maybe that happened. Or it could be something far, far worse that could have happened with it. Um, and then you get other people who just don't want to go near that. Yeah. Um, but then when you talk about, oh, I do Warhammer, you play war games. Yeah. Yeah. And then you spend 15 minutes telling them what it is. Yeah. And half of them then spend 15 years trying to forget what you've just sat there and told them. <laughs> um, and half of them go, actually, that's really, that's quite cool. Yeah. Because they went in the military for a reason. They were suckered in by the, uh, the black and white movies that, yeah. that there used to be on the telly and yeah. technical movies. But, um, so that they, they went in for a reason and generally they're quite a, a like-minded set of people. Sure. Um, I mean, if you tell them you do airsoft, then yeah. that's completely different. I agree, um, but you know, cause that's, that's like a different type of war yeah, games. It is, and it's, isn't it? it's like playing at war, you know, with yeah. everything except people dying and, you know, and the, and the hell that that would be. Yeah. But if you, if you tell them actually, well, you're building a model of an airplane and you're going to build that and you can put that on your shelf and it's going to be really rewarding with this. You can build a model of an airplane or a man or a tank and you can use that in a game. Yeah. And that is rewarding in itself. And you can open up to other areas and actually it's, it's taken quite well. And I'm finding because within models for heroes, I'm the kind of Warhammer person that I find Malcolm's contacting me saying, Oh, we've got a new referral. They live out somewhere where we don't have a session. Is there some way we can get some, some models to them? Gotcha. I'm thinking, right, I need some, I need some donations. Sort of speak to my mates. Has anybody got anything or I'll raid my own stash and send them off a box of, terminators or marines or eldar or something that i'm never ever ever going to get to yeah um so it's actually gaining a little bit more actually not a little bit a lot more traction from where it was two years ago there wasn't anybody really doing warhammer at models for heroes but as it's growing and getting bigger and it's bringing in more people um like the warhammer side of things and even bolt action as well yeah. Um, is um, sort of gaining a lot of traction within the uh, sort of the, the veteran community. Sure. Wow, that is, that is, I mean, it's, let's say that whole thing about, um, the thing about, I suppose, Warhammer 40k is, I don't feel that it's particularly jingoistic, if you see what I mean. I think that there's a, I mean, obviously it's set in the far future, and it's completely made up, but even as an undercurrent of, you know, war is not a great idea and that, you know, you talk about these Imperial Guard regiments where it's like, you know, we're just going to sacrifice hundreds of thousands of men sort of thing. So I don't think it glorifies that too much. But um, obviously you have your heroes and stuff like that. But I, I yeah. think it, there is a sort of, you know, and even sort of fantasy battle as well. It's, it is completely divorced from reality. I suppose bolt action's slightly different um, because you do have the sort of historical reenactment aspect of it. But yeah, it's, and maybe even sort of the modern stuff as well. But yeah, it's that. I mean, that was always my worry, I suppose. And it's, it's thanks for sort of explaining that, you know, because I do always feel every time I meet somebody uh, and they ask me what I do and they're, they're a sort of serving veteran or, uh, you know, have seen sort of frontline combat, if you like, or been involved in people who have seen frontline combat. It always feels like I'm, you know, sort of 
belittling what they've done in some sort of childish way, if you like. But um, yeah, thanks for that, Mark. That, that, yeah, that really I, I, you're on top of that. I would say if you actually talk to them and tell you what what you do, they'd probably see you as in some ways you're honouring them in a way. Sure. As well, so yeah. there's a little bit. They, there's the respect there that they can tell if you're if you're taking the Mickey. That's yes. with anybody. Yeah. So, gotcha. And if you asked them if they wanted to come along and enjoy a game, they'd probably more than likely say yes. Gotcha. All right. Cool. So, how how can we help, mate? I suppose is 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 the next question. What's uh, what's the best thing to do? So you mentioned there that uh, it's quite often you're you're looking for kits and things. So yeah, uh, can can we help you with that? I mean, what would you suggest if you wanted to help out? If anybody wanted to a help out by donating and b if they were interested in potentially becoming a volunteer. Right. If they wanted to become a volunteer, um, the best thing to do is to actually speak to Malcolm. Yeah. Um, his details are available on the Facebook page um, and uh, also on the website as well. Yeah. Um, which um, I'm sure you'll be able to put up in the show yep, notes. Totally well, yeah. Yep. Give you all the details for that. Um, and if they wanted to help by donations, there is like a, there's like a, an Amazon wish list. Gotcha. Um, which people can do. But what we've found with that, it's a little bit, uh, you send it off and it just arrives and you don't know who's actually sent it. So you can't really thank them. Gotcha. But so if anybody's got any kits, uh, Warhammer or non Warhammer, um, that they think, actually, I don't need this anymore. It's just sitting there. Oh, oh, what am I going to do with it? I'm not going to get much for it on the, one of the trading sites. Or if they've got paints that they don't use anymore, because paints and brushes and any modeling tools except for knives basically um is is needed um yeah it's just anything you know even if it's just a tin of paint is helpful because it allows someone to to work with what they're doing and take their mind away from the struggles that they're going through sure all right mate well that's cool i mean i've got a whole spectrums of colors that i'm never going to use so i'll see if i can uh, i can find some because i'd really like to help out uh, with this i think it's uh, really you know uh, it's inspiring what you've done there um and it's also a really worthwhile cause i think so and um, we'll have a chat amongst ourselves uh, with the lads and we'll see what we can come up with okay mate yeah anything would be um fantastic yeah no worries so that's that so thank you for that that was really interesting i really enjoyed uh, you talking about that mate so thanks a lot um should we have a little chat about um you how did you your journey uh, outside of this but how so one of the things that was fascinates me is on a different topic is when people go sort of say you know what i'm going to become a, a full i'm going to enjoy my hobby or try and do my hobby as a full-time job so that was fairly recent for you wasn't it you decided you know what um, i'm going to do this or I'm going to actually create a a business, if you like, out of this. So, so what? How how did that decision process go down? Cool. Yeah. So I've I've been doing it sort of professionally, semi professionally for three years. Yeah. Um. But I was always constantly my job in London that I had when I was living down in South End. I was constantly at risk, risk of redundancy. Okay. So every year they go, "You're at risk," okay. and I go, "Oh, look, I found a secondment." And I'd just find a secondment for a year. So I, m- I managed to just sort of keep going probably a lot longer than most would have gotcha. been able to. So I managed to keep going. So it was always something that I considered because I never really knew what was going to happen. Um, I said, oh, maybe we could allow me to do this full time. And my wife runs her own sort of part time business on side of her full time job, um, uh, doing sort of graphic design and things like that so it's like we're quite entrepreneurial and arty as well so maybe i could maybe i could have a go at this and then finally last june i was made redundant and i was like well what are we going to do i knew i was going to be made redundant sort of three months before what we're going to do what we're going to do and my wife she works full-time for aviva and their head office is in norwich yeah so we're down in south end and Mm. where we live in it's like the cost of living was so high yeah. Um, compared to other places in the country. And it's like, well, if I'm not going to London, that's a th- sort of 500 pounds a month. I don't have to find. Yes. It's expensive. Um, 
if we move away, actually our cost of living would go down by sort of 500 pounds a month. Well, how much do I have to earn to earn that 12 grand a year? Well, that's probably about 16 grand I've got to earn. Yeah. Well, if I go down and you go full time and we moved, I would only need to earn X amount for us sure. to break even. Right. Well, that sounds like a good idea. And all my family live up there anyway. And I'm like, well, why don't we do it? So like literally on a whim. Wow. Let's, let's, let's move. And, um, yeah, so we came up, we had a couple of weekends looking at houses, found one we liked. And then literally on the 29th of June last year, I got made redundant and I got home and the movers were packing us up. And then the next day we, we moved and we came up here to Norwich got me a little office set up and then yeah full time from the monday that is epic what a great story yeah uh, so it's that is, i mean yeah it's one of those things isn't it it's um because it's a big it's a big uh, gamble isn't it i guess but yeah like doing the maths and saying actually because obviously traveling to london every day is dead expensive from from where you were and just the cost of living in the southeast uh is crazy and i really like uh, norwich and um and Norfolk, to be fair. So, yeah. That, but like I say, it's, I guess, in terms of your, um, it's certainly very aspirational. I'm guessing that, um, so how do you, one of the other things that's always intrigued me, and I asked Miles this was, you know, do you approach it like a job? You know, do you have a, are you one of these people who has a sort of set, right, this is my working hours and I'm going to work, or are you more sort of ad hoc, right, I'm going to get cracking with that, and then, you know, you work, do just do whatever you want to do to get these things done. So I'm a bit more do what I need to do to get it done. Sure. See, because Miles was actually, funny enough, because you interviewed Miles what, a couple of episodes ago, and like, yeah. the month before he was up here, and he actually stayed at mine to do um, the painting course we did up this oh, way. okay, yeah. Yeah, so um, sort of speaking to him over the weekend and sort of seeing where we differ and the, the things we do. So, I mean, yeah, he does his 35 hours a week. Yep. Whereas I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get this done. Yes. But I've also got to get the kids to school. Yep. And having um, a boy who's thankfully going full time at school in September, um, I've sort of only have sort of three or four hours during the day to be able to to work. So I ended up working a lot of evenings. Got you. Um, and now it's the summer holidays and it's just completely crazy. <laughs> um, so I'm working all the evenings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of, I probably do probably the same amount, 35, 40 hours. Sure. Uh, but it's less than what I was doing yeah. um, as working for a pension company in London because I'm not commuting for 20 hours a week. Exactly. And that's not, and, that's not a great journey, is it, if I remember rightly, from uh, London to South End and vice versa? Yeah, it's a bit ropey, um, <laughs> to say the least, especially with regards to the quality of the fixings in the trains and actually whether the trains are actually running um so yeah it's it's different it's different hours i probably do 35 40 hours a week um yeah yeah, so it's just random hours just like oh i've got 20 minutes before dinner i'm I'm gonna go upstairs and wax and paint on that gotcha um and just sort of get stuff done and then if the kids are home i just tend to build so they're watching telly or trying to kill each other watching telly um <laughs> you can it, build in the background there yeah you? and i'll just sit there in the corner it's sort of it. coping while Refereeing. putting some walks together yeah <laughs> wow so do you is there anything that you um so i did ask miles this question so uh, what is there something that you if you're hoping that someday somebody's going to go oh i want this painted mark is there a particular figure currently or uh, that you're thinking, oh, I hope somebody wants this painted because I'd love to give that a crack? Is there anything that's, that's taking your eye at the minute? Oh, is there something? Because I, 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 yeah, it's a tough one. Is there a question for you? Because are you, uh, so I like painting tanks and mm. big vehicles right and mm. i hate infantry with a passion which is why things like armor oh, breakthrough seem to be my <laughs> default you know even with looking at my solar now i'm thinking mm, that's just all lehman russes really isn't it graham um you've got the minimum amount of people that you could possibly get in an army uh, that are on foot the rest of them are you know big tanks so 
do you have is there anything like that that you think you know what warlord titan or something what's the what's the you know the dream the dream painting thing yeah i mean i've, I've done my own warhound as you know yes it's excellent. I've, I've done that um so i think really for me it's the it's probably the primarchs yes yeah so i've done two so far that are finished right uh for two of my armies um and i'm working on fulgrim at the minute as well but that's that's not for any of my armies because i'd never really go down that road um but yeah i think the primarchs i'd love if i could just to have a cabinet sitting somewhere and have all the primarchs or all all the big hqs because you could throw in um valdor and scoria in there as well only if you actually physically threw them in yeah (laughs) but <laughs> just to please chris about valdor um yeah yes i think yeah just having a if i could do anything it would just someone say paint me the primarchs right yeah from start to finish yeah that would be a, that would be a lovely thing wouldn't it and yeah they are fantastic models i don't think there's a bad one amongst them so they're all done now aren't they? oh no they've got the lion to do is it just yeah. the lion left the lion and the khan oh of course yes <laughs> pete reese best uh he's probably badgering them as we speak to yeah get, get that model done so um so yeah you go so and also do you have this uh when you're painting your own army or playing your own army do you have a, a this sort of you know oh, i've been working all week painting figures the last thing i want to do is now paint my own figures or or is it is it just you know a seamless process for you it's just constant really um so i mean i've got my night lords but i haven't really done anything for my night lords in in a while Sure. Um, but I mean, you've seen the pictures of the demons I've done. Yes. Yes, yeah, so I've been work, got a demon army, which I actually played for the first time last night. Oh, how I did got, that go? I got tabled, right. turn six, well, which you, you would kind of expect with demons because they, yeah. they, they really fall away. Um, but it was only Centurion, okay. and it was against Blood Angels. Oh, yeah. Um, did he have all the Psychonara malarkey? No, to try and do you in, or did it, was it just no. a straightforward one? Right? It was straightforward. It's it's anything with AP five or um, strength five really gets you. Um, but the psychic phase was quite good, right. and sort of using tactically using your your psychic phases, yeah. so you can terrify one unit. Gotcha, and then that like drops them down like a leadership skill. Yep. Uh, or leadership level, and then you charge them, and then you go in and you're fighting them, and then they've got fear, and they fear. have to roll for leadership, and it comes I down. See. So it's like a sort of synergy, you know, using those psychic powers as a sort yeah. of strategic or tactical yeah. use of those. Ah, right, very good. Yeah, so it's different. It's different. It? Yeah, it's different, and it's just really just playing a new army for the first time because I've just played Night Lords, and I still can't remember the rules for that. <laughs> um, just playing something else was was really good. But then, you know, I've got my Mechanicum and my Imperial Fists as well that I'm constantly working on when I should be working. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Sure. It's, it, it's just, um, yeah, I, I fit it in. I think, oh, I'm painting gold now. Oh, I've got some gold in the pot. I'll spray that or actually I've got some out here on my palette. I'll just finish that off. So I tend to do my own stuff piecemeal. Sure. Um, do you, did you find actually going back to sort of gaming, I suppose is uh, the shock of having things that haven't got three plus armor save. Yeah. Cause when I first played the solar, I was like, Oh yeah, they'd be fine. Heavy bolter. Brrr. Oh, they're not so fine. They're really not fine. That might as well just be AP two rending for them. Yeah. It was shocking genuinely shocking so but it's but you say it's different isn't it it's a nice change yeah so i mean what i've always struggled with is the table so i'm strength three your toughness four and now i've got mm. to hit you on and anybody who's played me knows that they tell me what they're hitting them on um and what i'm hitting them on gotcha. um, <laughs> so it's like constant but then you got you got the demons and it's all right so there's strength this now so i'm hitting you on oh uh, right does this i mean i haven't yeah. looked at the, the book yet um, it's on our list to do to any degree. So, but Michael sort of hinted when he talked about it that they kind of come in strong and fade off towards the end as they yeah. kind of ruin storm power. The sort of rift starts off very powerful but gets progressively worse. So does yeah. it change per round sort of thing? Yeah, so for the first two rounds, you're plus one strength and plus one toughness, which is right. quite good. Yeah. Um, and then for the second two rounds, you're base level strength and toughness. 
Yes. And then for the last two rounds, you're minus one strength and minus one toughness. Oh. So it really ebbs. So what I found yesterday is I wasn't aggressive enough at the start. Right. You've got to go. I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to stand back a bit and oh, what am I doing? Yeah. So I missed the first turn and then everything, most stuff came in second turn. Um, got you. But it needs but to then be. They, but then they can't charge, charge till third turn. <coughs> By that time, you're down a level. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you've just got to come straight out and hit people really, really hard at the right. start, which is what demons would do. True enough. So, but it felt good. And it felt like if I play my Night Lords, I kind of like, oh, God, I'm losing. But actually playing these, it was kind of like, well, actually, I don't mind them losing. Uh, yeah, they're supposed to lose. <laughs> they're supposed to lose. <laughs> yes. But uh, it, it's quite good because you can choose what you're playing against. So you roll for the mission. Mm-hmm. And you can choose, do I roll for the mission or do I roll for the mission that's actually for this type of army? Right. Where if you're, uh, is it Maddening Swarms, which is Zinch, which is what mine's sort of built to, you can actually, my aim for this is to kill as many of yours as possible with psychic powers. Right. Okay. And, you, and you gain your points that victory way. Victory points that way. Gotcha. Yeah. So rather than the sort of mission victory points, you can score your own victory points like for your own agenda, if you like. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, I must admit, when I've been playing the solar, it's been like every victory point is actually hard won. You know, there's nothing you get nothing for free uh, with yeah. that army, and uh, so even you know having two victory points, I consider it a moral victory. Even though, like you say, the chances of them winning against a, a reasonably well tooled out space marine army is fairly remote, but mm. that's cool. You know, I I really quite like that. So it's a nice change. So. That's good. So when 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 will I, when are we going to see you again? Are you a company of legending? Are you what's your plans? For, yep. Uh, so the next next couple of months. So I'm company of legends. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, well, it's only about five six weeks away, isn't it? Yes, it is. Scary. Really it's exciting. Scary. Yes. yes, I've got a nice six hour drive by myself. Oh, crikey! Lovely. That's a bit of peace and quiet away from the kids. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, coming up, I'm bringing the table up. Oh, yes, thank you. For that, yes, I'm coming up for that. And I should be bringing the demons for that as well. Um, and then after that, it will be Blood and Glory. Yes. yes and I think did. they're my only two events so far yeah, that I've got booked in for the rest of the year. I think that's pretty much the same as us. So I will see you in a few weeks, my friend. Excellent. I'll see well, you then. Yes. Well, listen, mate, thank you ever so much. Uh, would you like to just uh, let people know uh, how to... Um, contact you if they would like to see what you've done and commission you for some painting work so if you would like to tell people the best way of doing that please do now yep so my website is frostfiend.com um they can catch me on instagram as frostfiend and i've got facebook site which is frostfiend studios um but don't worry about me um i can do that myself i would much rather people just take a minute just to have a look at the the black dog video that you're going to post up and also have a look at models for heroes and if there's anything anyone could do uh much rather they sort of spent a couple of minutes looking at that rather than than uh looking at me all right mate thank you ever so much for your time i do appreciate it and uh like i say it's an inspiring stuff that you're doing mate so keep keep doing that and uh, appreciate your time mate thanks ever so much brilliant nice to speak to you graham all right cheers fella see you Bye. bye Edge of Empire apologises for Michael's rambling at the beginning of the show. Um, it was completely unscripted and he's not very good at that type of thing. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed the show and there will be a show out next week for you to enjoy. <laughs>